testing. Please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read from Deuteronomy 29, 1 through 15. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread, and you have not drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Shihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people, and that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Keely. You may be seated. We've been reading through the Bible, and we finished reading the first five books of the what's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And so we finished reading uh, through Deuteronomy, and this is kind of a conclusion sermon to uh, all that we've learned so far. This uh, beginning verse uses the word covenant. And it concludes with covenant. So it started with Moses uh, summing, summing. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses. And then it ends with, it is not just with you alone I am making this sworn covenant. Covenant is the language of God and how he relates to his people and how his people relate to them. And it is... Uh, all that a promise is, and more. And God has made these promises to the people, 
and then they are required to respond in a certain way to the covenant. They have their end of the covenant. And their end of the covenant is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is going to bless them. He's going to give them all these blessings he's promised to give them. And their response is to have complete devotion to him. He wants complete um, allegiance like in a marriage. When you come together in marriage, you promise and you want this complete, wholehearted devotion. And that's why you hear in the breaking of, of covenant and, and, and God refers to it as um, going after other gods. You know, don't go after other gods. Devote yourself to me. Don't be unfaithful to me. There's a lot of language like that, very strong language um, that, that God says uh, to be wholly devoted to him. And so he says this covenant is made at Moab in our text today, 29.1, and that's different. It's besides the covenant that, that was made at Mount Horeb. That's the same as Mount Sinai. So uh, last week we covered uh, Deuteronomy uh, 5 and 6 and in there, and that covenant that was made at uh, Mount Horeb, Sinai, and we looked at the Ten Commandments. So this is a little different. You don't hear the Ten Commandments listed here. This is a covenant made besides that covenant. Uh, and it is the covenant made uh, in Moab uh, with a new generation of people uh, and Joshua about to take over. And these are Moses' final words. All of Deuteronomy are, are Moses's are recapturing what God had done in leading them out with Moses. And this is the final if you want to say speech uh, of Moses, his final closing words. How many of you know when you get to your final closing words, it's, you get more and more accurate in what you know is really, really vital and important. And so um, we listen to these words with attentive hearts today. He reviews that this generation is this younger generation of people uh, that didn't die in the wilderness. They were the ones that were below 20 age 20, uh, that we're going to be able, and Joshua and Caleb, that we're going to be able to enter the land. They're about to cross the Jordan. They're encamped there at the Jordan. They're about to cross and go in and finally possess the land that God has been promising them. But uh, Moses reviews in Deuteronomy 29, two, uh, 2 through 3, all that God's done with them, these wonders of this deliverance from Egypt and their wandering in the wilderness and how God's cared for them all this time. But when he gets to verse 4, he says this, Deuteronomy 29, 4, he says, But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. And this is very uh, interesting language here. He's saying that this new generation still doesn't, even though they've seen all these wonders, He's kind of saying that they still don't have an understanding of heart. And so it's kind of like when you are, might be uh, young and if you were fortunate enough to be brought up, you know, in a Christian family and you're, uh, you know, a teenager and you see these wonders and you see God working through your family, you got some time in your life, you have to claim that faith for yourself, right? Um, and I, I was fortunate enough in my family to be 
trained in, 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 in church and in the Lord with a family around me that was uh, presenting who Jesus was. But when I went off to college, man, right away I had to be confronted with, do you really believe this or is this just something that your family believes? And I had to find my faith on my own and it was tested and it was pushed and it was tried and it was tempted to go away and into all these other areas. And that's kind of what Moses is saying here with these people. He's saying they've seen all these miracles, but it's like, have they made it their own? Have they made it their own yet? And he said that they haven't yet. They don't yet have a heart that understands. And he doesn't give a whole lot of of answers to, you know, having seen these wonders. He's, he's saying they still don't know the wonder worker. They still don't know God in their heart. They really don't understand who he is. They've seen what he does, but they really don't know him. And the only reason that he gives is he says, the Lord hasn't given it to you yet. He says, the Lord must give you a heart of understanding. And he says at this point, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand. So because you don't have a heart to understand, you've seen, you've seen the Red Sea. These kids were kids. They were teenagers and younger coming across the Red Sea. They walked through. They saw that. They saw the miracles and the plagues no one had ever seen before in Egypt. They had seen all that, but yet the Lord hadn't given them a heart to understand and to know him, to know the God of those miracles. And so the only answer Moses is giving here is like, I know you guys. I know you. He knew the people, the older generation, and he knows this younger generation. He sees that it's, this is a covenant that God's making, but he sees that within them, they don't yet have a heart to understand, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. They did see it, but they didn't see it. They did hear everything, but they didn't hear it. It's kind of a little puzzling, isn't it? Well, did they or didn't they? <laughs> and what he's saying is they did, but they didn't. Follow me so far? And Jesus said this in Matthew thirteen thirteen. He said, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. So there's people that saw, there's people that heard, but they didn't understand. And Jesus quotes Isaiah after that, and he says, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown cold, the grown dull. And so he's, we're really looking, if I had to title this something, it would be, uh, we're in need of a new heart. And, th- and that's what Isaiah is seeing, saying here too. Jesus is quoting Isaiah and he's saying, their heart has grown dull. And their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have closed. Uh, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with the heart and turn and I would heal them. So God's desires that they would turn and heal them and what he says is their heart is dull. And so specifically there's other things that go along with that. They can't see and perceive. They can't hear and really understand. Um, They're going through the motions but they don't know. And so Moses is making that clear here. He knows that here's the people going in. God's making this covenant with them. And basically, he's saying they're going to fail. They're going to fail to, to live up to their end of the bargain. And because Moses has seen it over and over again, right? When you read through Deuteronomy with the older generation, 
They constantly failed to live up to their end of the covenant. They, cons- they went after other gods. They fail over and over again. And so it seems kind of puzzling. You know, why would God do that, knowing that? But it's telling us that what the problem is, and the problem is this heart that doesn't understand Uh, And that problem still exists today. It is the main issue of the problem. It's a theme that runs throughout all the Bible. As I said, Jesus quotes these same words. He's quoting the words of Isaiah. And so you see it through not just Deuteronomy 29 and the prophets like Isaiah and in Jesus' words, but you see it in the apostles' words in Ephesians uh, 4. Verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, Paul writing to the Ephesians, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Verse, verse 18 of Ephesians 4, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. So Jesus said this dull heart. Moses said this heart that lacks understanding. Uh, Paul is calling it a hard heart due to the hardness of their heart. And so he realizes that the answer is we have to have a new heart. Man, our our need is very, very deep and very, very desperate. And all of us are in this state. This is what uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesians that, you know, don't walk in this way any longer, but this is the way that we all walked. Uh, in the Due to the hardness of our heart, we um, were darkened in our understanding. So all of us being in the state, we, we are seeing, we're like those people, and unless the Lord heals our eyes, I think Shippen's talking about that, that this morning. She told me that they were going to be teaching on, uh, on the Saul of Tarsus, you know, on the Damascus Road when Jesus confronts him uh, with his blinding light, the, the light of the resurrected Jesus. But you can see that and not understand. You can see uh, God's goodness and still not understand unless the Lord heals our blindness. Amen? He needs to heal our, our blindness, and he does that through the softening of our hearts. He has to soften our hearts and give us a new heart. So the answer is if you're here today, and you've actually turned to the Lord, it's all by His grace, right? It's all by His grace. He had to give you a gift of grace to understand Him and see Him, a gift of faith to believe in Him. For it's by grace that you are saved. And, and it's through the gift of faith. And as a result of works, this, anyone should boast. It's a, a gift of faith. He gives you grace, pours His grace, and then He gives you this gift of faith to believe and it's just all him. If any of you have turned to the Lord, me included, uh, it was because he granted by his grace to give me a heart to understand him. And that's what he began to do, you know, in my life through my college years and just more after that. He began to just say, this is uh, my gift to you to understand me and to know me. And that's been the greatest le- lesson, uh, blessing in my life is to know Christ and to have him in my life and that's what we're saying all I have is Christ all I have is him and if you have him you have everything Jesus plus nothing equals everything it's a strange math equation isn't it 
but with it, he does give you all these other blessings, but know that they're in Christ. So we see here that, um, that the, the people of Israel are dealing with a stubborn heart. That's one of the things Moses says after our text in, in Deuteronomy 29, 19. He talks about people, when they hear the words of this sworn covenant, so he's continuing to talk about this covenant language, and this person blesses himself in his heart. So it's what he's saying inside of himself, inside of his own heart. And he says this, I shall be safe. I'll be okay, even though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. So there are some people that say, yeah, inside, like, I may be this way in my heart, but I'm going to be all right. And he's saying, and Moses is bringing, he's digging into the depths of the deception of a heart that isn't God's, that doesn't have understanding. These are the people of God that he is speaking to uh, that have seen these miracles. And he's saying that there will be some of you that blesses themselves in their own heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. So Moses is confronting that too. And uh, he says this will lead to uh, you know, of course, bad things, you know, when, when people try to walk and say, I'm part, I'm part of Israel, you know, I'm okay, but I can do whatever I want. And Moses says that will not work. Now, in this portion of Scripture right here in Deuteronomy 29, uh, uh, verse 18, what it said right before it is, Beware lest there be anyone among you, man or woman or clan or tribe, whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God. So that's how it's turning away. It's turning away by saying, by blessing themselves in their own heart, saying, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. So Deuteronomy 20, 18, right previous to that, that's how they're turning away. They're, they're going after to serve other gods. If they turn away and go after and serve the gods of those nations. So Moses knows they're going to go in. He knows they're going to take over. But he says, if you go in and you take over and you start following their gods, this is what's going to happen. And he says, beware lest there be any among you a root of bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. And that's what that is. When you're in the stubbornness of your heart, go on, I'll be okay. What happens is you end up following other gods, the gods of these other nations. And in Hebrews 12, it actually quotes that scripture in Deuteronomy 29, 18. And it says it this way uh, in 20, uh, Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and by it many become defiled. So you hear that? That root of bitterness? That's what he was saying. That root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is quoting Deuteronomy 20.18. I always love that. When the New Testament writers comment on where I'm studying a text, I always want to look at that. And what is the conclusion here? It's a stubborn heart. A stubborn heart is the problem. It's the issue within mankind in general. It says, I can be safe. I'm going to be okay and yet be a dis disobedient at the same time. Uh, and, and that kind of living causes a lot of poison within a community when you're not walking dependent upon the grace of God. It spoils things. And so we can't just say, you know, I'm, I'm okay, you know, yeah, my life is 
I mean, the fruit of my life is being lived out this way, but I, you know, I belong to a church. I'm a member to a church. I've been baptized. It's okay for me to do this. I'm okay. I'm safe. There's all kinds of excuses that we can make, and some of them are from good things. The, the people there were making these excuses too. I belong to Israel. I'm going to go in and help them fight these battles. I'm going in, you know, but I'm going to keep my stubborn heart. And we say the same things in the different language. I've came, I, I took communion, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, but th- these scriptures encourage us and previously in Hebrews 12, 14, right before 15. It says, strive for peace with everyone. We should be living our life to live not just as we will in the stubbornness of our heart, but we should, it should be a sign to us if we are the Lord's that we should be striving to live in peace with everyone. We should be striving in our lives for these things. We should have a hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said. There should be, if you're born into God and you're born into God's family, I'm telling you, this is what is inside of you. It's it's a heart that hungers for God's ways, hungers for his righteousness. And the writer of Hebrews 12, 14 says it this way, that you'll be striving for peace with everyone. And it goes on and says, and for for, uh, the Without the holiness of God, no one will see the Lord. And so it's like pursuing a life of wanting to be like God. God is holy. Be like him. There will be that desire not to go, how much can I get away with in my stubborn heart? I don't want a new heart. I want to just, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. I get away and I go all this way. But it'll be a, a hunger to be more like him. And Moses is confronting this. And yes, this is difficult to understand all this. You know, are we God's people? Has he made a covenant with us? You know, uh, uh, we can't do this. It sounds like the covenant is saying, but God's going to do it anyway. Like we're not going to live up to our side of this covenant, but God's still going to go through with it. So what does that mean about this covenant? And there's this language that's going on, like our Are we the people of God? But yet, you know, when you read at the end of 29, it talks about them being exiled and they're going to be exiles. I mean, he's looking way into the future and projecting like, yes, they're going to disobey and turn and be cast out from the land like these nations. They're going to become like them. He's casting them out. They're going to become like them. He's going to have to cast them out. There's going to be this exile. There's just a lot of prophetic language in there. And when you get to the end of Deuteronomy 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. That, that's okay, you know, isn't it? We don't understand all this. There's some, some parts of it that might be kind of confusing in the language to us, and it's okay because uh, the secret things belong to the Lord. How he's going to do it belongs to him. But he has revealed some things to us, right? It says, but the things that are revealed belong to us, and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There is enough here. There are some mysteries that we don't understand. He's going to take us into exile. We're going to get cast out. You know, can you imagine what the people are thinking? Are we going to do it or, or not? You know, and sometimes we think those same things. But what the comfort is here is that there are some mysteries to the Lord. That was a beautiful song that we sang this morning about the mysteries of God. And how we trust in him along the way and through mystery and through not having all the answers. We trust in Christ. He is our all in all. And so what this main scripture is looking at with this new heart is that we need a new heart. 
And in the next chapter, Moses brings this out. He's still in this speech. He's still giving him his final words. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, we have a great encouraging word that comes out of this text. And it is a revelation of a little bit of an answer. There's still secrets that belong to the Lord, but what Moses is pointing to here is the answer to the ills of our life. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 says this, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and you may live. Hallelujah. It's just like, He will do it. Isn't that a great word? And what will He do? He'll do an inside work on your heart that gives you a new heart that enables you to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's comforting. Because if it's up to me to, like, to will it, like, yeah, you know, you know, yes, we will do it. We will love you, Lord, with all our heart. No, we won't. We can't do it. And Moses wants you to know that, and he's seen it with himself and with the people. He himself has rebelled. He's only going to get to go up and look into the land and not go because he himself had that rebellious heart. I myself have that a rebellious heart. I myself am in desperate need for my heart to be circumcised and him to give me. That's my only hope. My only hope as, as I stand up here and preach the, the word and proclaim the good news is that my only hope is in Christ. My only hope is if he gives me a new heart and gives me, I can't by my willpower and all my intellect and studying and everything go, now I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can't do it. I need him to do it for me. And it's so important. Heart is such a great theme throughout the scripture. It refers to the ruling center of the whole person. It's like the ruling center of of all that you are, the ruling center of all that you are, body, soul, mind, and spirit is going to love me. Love me, the Lord says. God will do it. He will circumcise our heart. Moses is saying that's your only hope. Your only hope is for God. You know, this covenant is doomed. This covenant is impossible. You cannot do it. And you're like, well, I'm kind of confused. You know, are we or aren't we? And he's like, God's going to do it. God's going to give you a new heart that's able to do it, that's capable of doing it. He's got to do this miraculous work. So one of the first things to admit is that Deuteronomy 29, 4 is to humbly say, I don't have a heart yet to understand, God. Give me that heart to understand. If you don't have that humility going, that right off the bat, what Moses said, you've seen, you've been, you've been around, you've seen some things, you know, but do you have a heart unless the Lord gives it? Lord, give it. Lord, I can only see it if you give me eyes to perceive. I can only hear it if you give me ears to hear. I need this new heart. It's this desperate, humble cry that I have no hope outside of God giving me the grace to have a heart that's all in for him. He has to do that because my heart is not all in with him. It's stubborn. It's dull. It's darkened. It's all the things that the Bible has said and Moses has said. And the promises and the prophets have these same things. There's these hints and glimpses. Like I said, it's this great mystery. And we still don't know all of the mystery of the fullness of the gospel and the promises of God today. But we get more and more glimpses along the way. And it's about this new heart. It's about this need for a new heart, this new covenant. And Ezekiel speaks of it this way. 
In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Remove the heart of stone. He says your heart's that hard. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Stone. Just that hard. And he says your only hope is to get a new heart. Jeremiah says it this way in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts. He'll put that law to love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He'll write it inside of them. He'll write it on their heart, not on tablets of stone, but actually give them that circumcised heart. And they'll want to obey, not just have the obedience, I got to do it or else. It's like they'll have the want to. You all want the want to? I want the want to. Don't you, that new heart written with his laws inside of me. And, And God says, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God will do it. God will be a God of his people. He will have a people on this earth. God will do it. And he'll do it through giving us this new heart. We sang today, there was a line in the, in, in, in the song, it said, bringing many sons to glory. Bringing many sons to glory. And, and this is out of Hebrews 10, 2, verse 10 through 11. It was fitting for him who by and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. See, Jesus brought many sons to glory through suffering, through what he suffered in going to the cross. And verse 11 of Hebrews 2 says, For he who sanctifies and those who sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Aren't you glad Jesus took you in that fully? And that God's given us, given you a new heart to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that spirit, that new heart inside of you, and that Jesus has gone the way for you to suffer for you, his obedience all the way to the cross. He was obedient, fulfilled the law for you perfectly, and he was obedient all the way to the cross to suffer for you, so that he might bring you to glory with him, that he might bring many children to God, many sons to glory, Jesus bringing through his suffering and through his cross. And he puts his arm around you, and he calls you, my brothers, come. Come, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, come. He's that big brother that did it for us. And we have that new heart in Christ. He's made us new creations. I love the parable of the prodigal son. That's what they call it. But it's really about two sons and a father. It's not just about a prodigal. He goes off and lives in sin, debauchery, and he comes back repentant. He realizes my only hope is a new heart. Because he's been into the depths. He's, he's gone into a life that's caused him to realize when he looks up from that pit, fighting pigs for food, and he realizes, man, this is my bottom. He looked up and he came to his senses. He came, his heart awakened like, I need my father. 
And he came back to the Father, and the Father rejoiced and welcomed him in. But it's not the end of the story. You know, the end of the story is really one of the, it's the most important. It's the punchline. You know, it's the main part of the story. The main part of the story is the elder brother. What did the elder brother do? What was his heart like? Was it welcoming of the son, rejoicing with the father that his, his brother had come back? Was he that big brother that said, I've brought many sons to glory and I'm that brother that puts my arm around you and welcomes the brother? This Hebrews 2, 11 scripture, he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Was this elder brother ashamed to call him brother? He was. In fact, he didn't even call him brother. You know what he said? He said, this son of yours, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours has gone out and spent our inheritance and wasted it on prostitutes and done all this, and I will not come in. I'm, I'm kind of using some tone there, right? But that's, that's how I see it. And the father's going, come in and celebrate. Your brother has returned. He's not that elder brother. It's, it ends that way. It ends hanging in that balance but but what this parable is jesus is saying is the beginning of luke 15 as he said they were grumbling against him just like they grumbled in the wilderness over the manna and you know what they grumbled about jesus that he was eating tax collectors and sinners and he's saying you know what i am i'm the elder brother that rejoices with the father that will bring many sons to glory and i'm that big brother of Hebrews 2 that's not ashamed to call them brothers. I will gather them in, anybody that's willing to know, and anyone that's willing to humbly admit that I need a new heart, and you're my only hope, Jesus. He'll gather them in, and he'll say, I'm not ashamed to call you my brothers. He's the elder brother in the fulfillment of this parable going, that's who I am. I'm not ashamed to call you. know, He's not ashamed to call you no matter what you've done in your life, how you failed. He's not ashamed to put his arms around you and call you his brothers. Our response to this covenant is just a covenant of grace saying, I humbly admit my only hope is in you, Jesus. I humbly admit that I don't have a heart that loves you. I don't have a heart. I'm a sinner. It's that, that recognition. I don't have a heart to understand. I need you to give me a new heart. I need you to give me a heart that loves you this way with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's it. Jesus will move in and he'll circumcise your heart. He'll give you and make you a new creation in him. It's that near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart that Jesus Christ is there to give you a rebellious, hard-hearted people. It's right there. It's faith. It's near you. It's in your mouth. If you'll believe Jesus is Lord and confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So choose this life that you may live and be blessed. Amen? Amen. That's the word we go out with today is that Jesus has given us that new heart. And as we close in our service today, we'll take communion together at these new cups and the bottom peels off a lot easier and the bread comes out and the top we'll drink together here's the words of Jesus around that table in the night that he was betrayed Judas um, has left to go betray him 
And he, in the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks for it to the Father, and he breaks it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat of it. Let's take together. And in like manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Aren't you thankful for the new covenant? Given by Jesus and his blood. This is the new covenant. You know what it does? It has the power to wipe away your sins as far as the east is from the west. This is the blood of the new covenant, covenant given for the remission of your sins. The cleansing. Though your sins be as scarlet, be made white as snow, fulfilled in Jesus Let's do this in remembrance of him and take of the new covenant cup. Thank you so much, Father, for our big brother Jesus that wasn't ashamed to call us brothers. He put our, his arm around us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. No one has demonstrated that kind of love for me. No one has dis- demonstrated that kind of love for you. We just celebrate him and let us worship him in this closing song we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.